Hello, New Orleans and the outside world at large. Welcome to the Mothball Prophecies, where we take a look at monsters, the paranormal, legends, and just plain strange things and events from the past, as seen through the modern lens. I am your host, Jonathan. On this, the very first episode of the Mothball Prophecies, I thought it would be fun to kick things off by looking at a monster, or cryptid for those of you who want to put a professional spin on things, in the state of Louisiana, known as the Rougarou. Why am I discussing the Rougarou outside of Halloween? And why am I discussing the Rougarou a week after Mardi Gras, when everyone, who is Catholic anyway, is practicing Lent? As we'll find out, the Rougarou is not necessarily an autumnal monster. For some, the Rougarou is a year-round creature. And for others it's a more religious occurrence. Now, before you dismiss the Rougarou as just a corrupted variation of the French Lugarou, or werewolf, which has changed over time, as language does, we need to dig a bit deeper. Depending on which thread you follow in this tale, the Rougarou is a werewolf. Or it's a dogman, for those on the up on the research of Linda Godfrey and the North American Dogman Project. Yet while our Cajun canid does not necessarily seem to fit the characteristics of the Dogman, the Rougarou doesn't entirely abide by the classic rules of the European werewolf either. Because rules and accepted lore are two very different things. So let's start off with the perhaps the best-known raison d'etre for the Rougarou. The Rougarou exists to hunt down those Catholics breaking the rules of Lent. In other words, if you're Catholic and still indulging in various vices and other wonderful things after carnival season, you are a prime target to fall prey to the Rougarou. You know, as if Catholics need more unfounded fear overshadowing their lives. Now, before you start screaming that this is a load of papal bull, you need to understand that this particular trait runs very closely to that of the European werewolf. Folktales in Europe mention that those who have been excommunicated by the Catholic Church were afflicted with lycanthropy. This naturally brings up the question of how we make the leap from Christianity to werewolves. But the fact is that there were myths and legends about people turning into animals well before the Christian church was ever founded. I mean, let's get back to Lent. During Lent, people give up things. They fast. They don't eat meat. In New Orleans, it's kind of like a second chance at your New Year's resolutions. I mean, what are you going to give up, in a spiritual sense, to show your devotion to God? Fast food? Fried food? Booze? Sex? That's hard. Sensuality? Good luck. Sensuality is everywhere here in New Orleans, and it will overload your senses. That wolfman's got his work cut out for him. And this is kind of where I have a big problem with the Rougarou. If the monster is taking or indulging in his pound of flesh 
from those who are breaking the rules of Lent, isn't the Rougarou also breaking with Lenten tradition? Committing a crime to expose a crime to perpetuate a rather abusive cycle? Maybe he's an independent contractor. Now, while there's nothing in the Bible that specifically points to lycanthropy, it is known that those in Europe who were excommunicated were thought to be turned into werewolves. I, I almost included a passage from chapter 5 of the book of Daniel, but it involved way too many mental gymnastics and even my brain was cramping up on it. I mean, even by the standards of the early Christian church, it was a very tautological route to get from that passage to, yeah, werewolves. So instead, we can go back a bit earlier to Ovid's Metamorphoses. Here, the poet backs off from his usual licentious and lascivious verse in favor of the lycanthropic, as he describes the fate of King Lycon of Arcadia. Lycon himself fled in terror, and when he reached the silence of the country, he howled in vain as he tried to speak. His mouth acquired a mad ferocity arising from his basic nature, and he turned his accustomed lust for slaughter against the flocks, and now took joy in their blood. His clothes were changed to hair, his arms to legs. He became a wolf, retaining vestiges of his old form. The silver of the hair and the violent countenance were the same. His eyes glowed in the same way. The image of ferocity was the same. Et in Arcadia ego, indeed. But while the Bible and classical literature may not be the best places to uncover hard facts, I require on more thorough sources. In order to resolve this whole Catechism 22 about which came first regarding werewolves and the Catholic Church, I turned to that indisputable font of knowledge, Yahoo Answers. The question is, can you be a werewolf and a Catholic? Answer the first. Why, yes, you can in the U.S., and nothing is going to happen to you. But if you go to Rome, they won't allow the devil's creation in the, in the church like the funny-looking people that say they are guards. Just don't tell them that you're a mythical creature because, well, it's not going to end well. Answer the second. If you're doing spells to turn yourself into a werewolf, then you're not a Catholic. They won't kick you out, though. Well, it depends. Answer the third. You probably could. I mean, you can't control your werewolf self, so the church would have to accept you. Because the Catholic Church is very accepting of everybody. I mean, duh, obviously werewolves were Catholic, or ex-Catholic, or if we're going by Ovid, maybe even Greek Orthodox or something. But this brings us back to our Rougarou friend. Is the Rougarou the dark knight of Catholicism, making sure people are giving up fun and that they're genuinely feeling bad about feeling good? 
Certainly there are coyotes in Louisiana, but there isn't really a wolf population, nor were there any wolves in the area back when the legend of the Rougarou began. Not that many animals in Louisiana stand at a height of seven feet, even if we subtract some of that due to the fear factor incorporated when telling a story that ends up being passed along over generations. The red glowing eyes? Animals' eyes can do some strange things at night, which we might cover in a future episode about the Flatwoods encounter, or that Kelly Hopkinsville farm invasion, or even the Mothman itself. Or, you know, I could just have a sound clip of Joe Nichols saying, It was owls, on an endless loop for an hour, and call it a day. The stench associated with the Rougarou? Rotting vegetation and many other things are beneath the ground and water in the swamps of Louisiana, and people do go missing. Things happen. Heck, maybe the Rougarou and our very own Honey Island Swamp Monster are the same thing. Like most things in Louisiana, the Rougarou was probably imported and built upon over the years in many unique and contradictory ways, like the city of New Orleans, or the language here, or the cuisine. The Rougarou most likely had its origins in the legends of the French werewolves, hence its name. The Beast of Gévaudan, for existence, terrorized south-central France in the mid-1700s. It should be noted that the Beast of Gévaudan was not the first supposed werewolf in France, and even Louisiana's own Rougarou can be found in one form or another going back to at least the 1500s. But what was once used as an invisible specter to keep children from misbehaving, the Rougarou somehow became the defender of Lent. Like Krampus or Belschnickel, but for a different holiday period. So, while the Catholics of southern Louisiana entrusted a fictional wolf to protect the Lamb of God, it was said that anyone who did not observe the rules of Lent for seven years would also be turned into a Rougarou. Because seven is a magic number? Because I honestly don't know. But I definitely welcome any insight on the matter. Another tale of the origin of the Rougarou incorporates the curse of a witch, and the person under that spell remains a Rougarou for 101 days. The curse can only be transferred to the Rougarou's next victim, or the person who kills the Rougarou, kind of like some paranormal game of tag. And how does one kill a Rougarou, you might ask? By any means possible. Silver bullets may work, so would any bullet, I'd guess. But since werewolf legends have been around since well before the invention of the gun, and well before Christianity, though I know some people would like to think those timelines are intertwined, there must have been a way to vanquish them outside of getting an AR-15 engraved with John 316 and loading them up with silver-tipped rhino killers. Now, others claim the power of the curse of, is in the Rougarou's eyes, and that its gaze must be avoided at all costs. A person staring into the eyes of the Rougarou will become a Rougarou themselves, 
and I'm still not exactly sure how this works. At all. But oral tradition has so many permutations. I'm sure one could find tales that appropriate the idea of the Wendigo and mix it with that of the werewolf as well. Or aliens. Or Sasquatch. Or, or, or... The possibilities and cultural misappropriations are only as limited as your imagination and insensitivity. So what are we left with? Some really good tales to tell around the campfire, that's for certain. After all, every year in downtown Homa, they hold Rougarou Fest. And there's a fantastic song about the Rougarou by the tomb of Nick Cage, which I will put in the show's notes. Donner Peltier Distillers in Thibodeau, Louisiana, produce a line of Rougarou rum. In keeping with the tale of the curse that lasts 101 days, they offer a 101-proof sugarcane rum called Rougarou Sugarshine. They also offer Rougarou Full Moon Dark Rum and Rougarou 13 Pennies Rum, hearkening back to the idea that if you laid out 13 pennies on your doorstep, or any shiny items numbering 13, the Rougarou would become frustrated and confused and leave you alone because the Rougarou can't count higher than 12 for reasons. Again, if anyone knows the reasoning behind this, please let me know. Recently, the amazingly talented Beth Patterson wrote the story Cayenne, which reimagines the Beatles as Cajuns. In that hilarious and brilliant story, the Fab Four brush up against the Blugaroo. That story, which for its length has the depth and wit and references to leave you researching down cultural rabbit holes for hours, if not days, is available in the anthology Across the Universe, which will also be linked in the show notes, and I encourage everyone to get a copy. So that about wraps it up for the Rougarou. If you've had any encounters with the Rougarou or know anyone who has, please tell the story on our Facebook page. Now, before I go, I want to talk a bit about the great city of New Orleans. We just had a wonderful Mardi Gras. And this year, millions of people from all over the world came to spend weeks leading up to Ash Wednesday to indulge in vices and sate a wide range of appetites. I myself rode in the crew of Tux, throwing some fabulous, fabulous bejeweled plungers decorated by my wife, the brilliant, beautiful, and amazingly artistic Gwyndon Alexander, also an amazing poet, and I will link her book in the show's notes as well. But anyway, back to this post-Mardi Gras bit. We saw millions of people come in from all over the world to celebrate. And, you know, New Orleans is also a major port for international commerce and a stop-off on a cruise line, and you may have heard that there's this little bug going around. You, if, if you can avoid it outside, you certainly can't avoid it in the news. 
Um, I'm not going to pretend the coronavirus doesn't exist, and neither should you. The one thing we seem to know is that it has a two-week incubation period, and new cases are popping up in major cities every day. You know, if this happened during the summer months, New Orleans wouldn't have much to worry about, because it's hot and humid, and hardly anyone is here. But with a large crowd we just had from Mardi Gras and more upcoming festivals, I, I just want you all to take precautions and be careful out there. I'm not saying you have to go all Howard Hughes, but, you know, at least wash your hands, don't share your drinks, and definitely keep an eye on your drink. Uh, but, uh, you know, just be safe. Just be safe. That's all I ask. And that's really the end of my PSA for the episode. So, do you have an interesting topic that you'd like to hear on the Mothball Prophecies? Have you had an inexplicable experience? Send your requests, comments, and strange tales to mothball at crescentcitymedia.com. Episodes of the Mothball Prophecies are researched, recorded, and produced by me, Jonathan, and hosted by Crescent City Media. Transcripts of this show are available by request. You can follow the Mothball Prophecies and all of our other shows over at crescentcitymedia.com, at media underscore crescent on Twitter, and at Mothball Show on Twitter, and on the Crescent City Media Facebook page. I encourage you all to like, follow, review, and comment. Remember, be nice or leave. Join us next time when we take a look at another legend from New Orleans that made its way into popular culture, including American Horror Story. We'll take a look at the legend, compare the facts we know, and see if we can come to any actual conclusions. Until then, thanks for listening.